Hey everyone, my name is Nick. And my name's Kat. Thanks for listening to our podcast, Made for You and Me, an educational, entertaining podcast on the history, geology, wildlife, and other fun facts within America's best idea, the National Parks. The National Parks. Today is Sunday, November 22nd, 2020. Oh my gosh. Uh, so, man, it's just fine by. November is like, I don't know, 2020 is crazy, obviously. We've all heard it and said it ourselves a thousand times. But um, for me personally, November just like is whizzing by. <laughs> like it's... The word whiz is funny <laughs> to me. Um, yeah, it's, I, I don't know what I've done with my November, but I am excited for this upcoming week and Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. regardless of not being able to spend it with family or anything like that. It's just like a moment to sit down and be thankful for all the things that we do have. Exactly. And to celebrate. As well as just taking a breath. Mm-hmm. So I had some feedback um, this week from one of our uh, constant listeners. Okay. Not my, not my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so like not a, my fiance. If you, if you will, like a real so, listener. Uh, a good friend. Okay. Um, but not a relative not or a significant other. Not someone who's so <laughs> obligated, yeah, that they okay. live with me or, like, they hear me and talk about all the time. I would, I would categorize that as a real listener. <laughs> Thanks, real listeners. <laughs> um, and apparently, we just drone on and on at the beginning. And, like, it's just like, when are they going to actually talk about the national parks? Um, and I was like... Um, first of all, you can fast forward, but second of all, this is an entertaining right. podcast. We're here to be entertaining, both <laughs> but, for you and for ourselves. But I think, yeah, recognizing listener feedback will like move it on a little bit faster, but I still want to tell you about my week. I want to hear about your week. And additionally, I feel like it's sometimes jarring to have our like, you know, if we were to be like, hey everyone, my name is Nick, my name is Kat, thanks for listening to our podcast. Today we're talking like right away, you know? I feel like yeah. we need a little smoothing in, whatever. Like yeah. you said, people can fast forward if they want, but I mean, I also want that for myself to not just like not be all business, you know, the whole time. Completely agree. So, but you're right, it's good to take some feedback, <laughs> take some criticism. Good note. We appreciate you, Skylar. Thanks, Skylar. <laughs> Um, didn't mean to like totally trash your feedback, uh, but I do. I, I, I need that for myself. A little warm up at the beginning. No, and I like hearing about what book you're reading. Oh, so what book are you reading? So right now I'm reading a book called Dark in Death, and I forget the author. Never mind. I don't. So hear about it's this. so okay. I actually just learned this last night, so it's very. I, I like found it on. I have the app Goodreads, and I found it on Goodreads, and I was like, what the heck? So November started out really strong. I read – this today's the 22nd. I've already read three books in November. Wow. I'm on my fourth. I'm just a reading machine, and I I have coined a term for the books that I like to read and because I used to call them beach reads. Nicholas novels. Sure. Nick, yeah. No, that's not what I have coined the term. But I mean, oh, okay. if people don't like the term that I've coined, then like Nicholas novels is a good I one really too. I really like but, alliteration. Um, I called them beach reads. And that to me meant just like a nice easy book to have on the beach. But I realized that wasn't descriptive enough. So I now am using the term Space Jam books. <laughs> Similar to the movie Space Jam. Everyone likes it. You enjoy it. It's not like the most groundbreaking, Oscar-worthy, intense, 
you know, like moving emotional story, but you have a good time, the movie ends, and you're like, great, that was fun. Um, and it was just like, it's just like an easy story. So even though the books that I like to read do have more serious themes like murder and financial ruin and whatever, it's still like overall just an easy, entertaining book, you know? So the books that I read myself and I recommend are, if it's not too much of a stretch, kind of similar to watching the movie Space Jam. Why did we reference Space Jam in this podcast already? There was another time where you referenced Space Jam. I mean, I, oh, we were talking about the Roadrunner. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So yes. not a, not a stretch. No, not a stretch at all. I was just like, I was over here like trying to think of either something funny or to reference back to that. And I didn't come up with either. I just came up with that question. But that's, a, yeah, I like the way that you put that. Um, oh, so anyway, what I was, what, what I realized this week and then I was like, what? So this book that I got, um, have you heard of Ollie's Cat? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love Ollie's. And I'm so <laughs> Thankful. There's speaking a of lot Thanksgiving of coming up, this right now, just so emotions. everyone can visualize. So speaking of Thanksgiving coming up this week, one of the things I'm most thankful for in my life lately is Ollie's. <laughs> Ollie's Bargain Outlet is the official name for those of you who do are so unfortunate to not have an Ollie's in your town. But we have an Ollie's, and they have books, and they're very cheap, like. A cookbook, like a $30 cookbook that you would get from Barnes & Noble or even Amazon is $4.99 at Ollie's. And so I've been going into Ollie's and just going to the novel section and like letting the book find me. But I look it up on Goodreads and if it has below a 3.7, I am not going to read it. Oh. I trust the readers and I trust the reviews. If it has below a 3.7, I'm just not going to spend my time on it so anyway this book that I've been reading I feel like most people's opinions in general are trash so I I disagree well (laughs) if it has like a thousand reviews I'm like hmm but most of these books have like 20,000 reviews or more on Goodreads so I'm like I guess I'll take your word for it and for the most part a very I'm so sorry Skylar we're like (laughs) (laughs) Kat gave your feedback and I was like screw that I'm talking about my books I'm reading so anyway um I do not read the book if it's rated less than 3.7 but so this book that I found at Ollie's was rated to 4.2 and I've been reading it and I'm like I'm not super into it and granted I'm only like 60 pages in but still like i'm not hella invested right now and so i looked it up on goodreads and i was like what did what did this get like i'm so surprised it has a 4.2 and i'm like what so i'm gonna keep reading it i need to read at least half of it before i give up on it but anyway this is this author's 46th installment of a series that's and they all are dark in No, they're all something in death, which is like kind of creepy and disturbing. But it's like the first one is like naked in death. And there's like vengeance in death. What is something in death? They're all in death. So this one's dark in death. And in the first page, someone is murdered in a movie theater, in a dark movie theater. So anyway, Kat, I can imagine that you really regret asking me what book (laughs) I'm on right now. But that is my current situation and um i hope we didn't lose listeners from me rambling on about it 
You lost me. <laughs> yeah, I like started to play with her split ends as I was telling Shut this story. Up. I do not have split ends. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but anyway, that's my that's my newest. <gasps> that thing. was so catty. Okay, well, <laughs> changing the subject. <laughs> uh, today I brought up the fact that we were talking about elderly pups in our last mm, and we went through all of the dogs online and I think I'm getting close. Are you serious? I'm getting close. Did you get my Snapchat from this uh, weekend? I did. You cried I over cried. some dog on the beach. You guys, I was on the beach with my dog playing fetch and this woman in like maybe her 60s came up to me and she was like, can my dog say hi to your dog? And I was like, Cooper, whenever we're playing ball and fetch on the beach, like he does not care about anything else in the world. So like I would love for your dog to say hi to my dog but I doubt Cooper's gonna care and Cooper did not care but your boy definitely cared and she was like we just got her and like we were a little hesitant about like how she was gonna be socially because she's eight years old and we got her from a shelter this summer but we've had her since July and we know that she loves people and loves other dogs and I just started crying in my mind there was nothing nothing more pure than adopting a senior dog yeah from a shelter. I agree like, I completely oh agree. gosh uh, we have we have our limits for like how much we could spend on like medical reasons. Mm-hmm. So it can't be a dog that was like um, surrendered because of that. Because I mean we have a budget, but like, yeah, no, yeah. I and, and you know maybe your next book could be death by dog love and it could be talking it about probably be about me how you died because you adopted a senior dog and it died the next week. I don't uh, know. But. I just I I just truly think there is something so wonderful and pure and incredible about adopting a senior dog and just letting it live out its last couple years just chilling doing its thing with lots of love lots of table scraps lots of long walks on the beach where we live very just... serious question okay let's hear it what national park are we talking about today <laughs> that is okay cool no that, that's valid that is so valid Anyway, it's been seven minutes. If if anyone wants a separate episode on Just us talking, of us talking, or more specifically on us talking about dogs and I dog adoption, do let yes. us know. We are so happy. I mean, I'm so happy to do that. But oh. sorry, <laughs> I apologize. Today we are talking about Hawaii volcanoes national Woo! park. Yay! That only makes took me happy. ten minutes and forty five seconds. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but also not really. Um, Great. Yes. So Hawaii Volcanoes National Park is an American national park on the island of, you guessed it, Hawaii. I introduce every park saying like it's an American national park here. And none of them have been so obvious as this one. But I I didn't want to like get off my theme of Mm -hmm. saying where it was. So let's talk about Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. Recent lava flows stretch out for miles in a rocky wasteland that more closely resembles the moon than Earth. Huge waves splash dozens of feet into the air along wild, craggy coastline. Endangered birds waddle across the path on an ascent up the world's largest single mountain. If the timing is right, you can catch a natural fireworks show of lava pouring into the ocean, or if plumes of molten rock arching above one of the world's rare lava lakes. In the park, there are two celebrated volcanoes, one of them very tall, the other very active. 
From glowing lava flows the earth-shaking tremors to wind, rain, and waves, the geological and meteorological forces that shaped our planet are fully on display in the park. While volcanism is by far the most popular trait of Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, there are pockets of rainforests and grasslands that shelter rare Hawaiian flora and fauna. I like the the, the comparison of this to the, the moon. It's, I'm now, it's I've cool. never been to the moon, but I've heard that areas of this park are very moon-like. <laughs> Excellent. Um, the park is 323,000. 431 acres, making it the 24th largest park of the 62 American National Parks. There were 1.1 million visitors in 2018, making it the 21st most visited park that year. It was first established on August 1st, 1916 as Hawaii National Park and then later given the name it holds today. And the park encompasses, like I said, two active volcanoes. Quick pause, we will be saying a number of Hawaiian words in this episode, and we are going to do our very best, as we always do, but just bear with us. Um, so the two active volcanoes in this park are Kilauea, which is one of the world's most active volcanoes, and Mauna Loa, the world's most massive shield volcano. The park provides scientists with insight into the birth and development of the Hawaiian Islands and ongoing studies into the process of volcanism. Excellent. Yes. So kind of similar to Pinnacles, Mm -hmm. the history of the park is much more than just human history. It goes back long, long, long time. So Kat, do you want to take it away and start with the history of this park? Yeah. And I do want to mention, like, I, I think we both recognize that geologically a lot of, a lot of the parks have something special. Um, sorry to all the geologists that we don't go into that each time. Some of it's just not interesting enough to put in an hour. Mm-hmm. So this is super interesting, just like Petrified Forest was. I recognize the rest of it's also super interesting to you, but I can't even read it with and like pay attention long enough. So I can't talk about it. So I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's just yeah, we, yeah. Recognize. Great, all right. <clears throat> all right. Hawaii is a series of islands that have been in creation for over 70 million years through what's called a geological hot spot. <laughs> she couldn't get through it. She could not get through it. <laughs> if I had gotten through the word geological, it would have been better. Okay. The hot spot theory is fairly simple. The Earth's crust has many tectonic plates that we know and they move around. Most volcanoes happen between these plates or when they hit each other or move apart. However, a hot spot is when a volcano forms in the middle of a plate. And that's when magma, magma, which is lava that hasn't left the volcano yet, Mm -hmm. erupts from the seafloor and goes through the plate. Got it. So the Hawaii Islands are created from a hot spot in the Pacific plate. And the cool part about this is that the way the plate is moving, it's going from southeast to northwest, is also the age of the islands. So as it moves, they become younger, right? So the ones most northwest are the youngest. And um, a series of islands is also called an archipelago. But as we know, I can barely say my own name well. So I'm <laughs> going to say a series of islands. Great. But I do like the word archipelago. Me too. I wish I could name 
pet that so I can say it all the time. Okay. Um, as you just mentioned, uh, Mauna Loa. Yeah. I mean, that's how I say it. So Yeah. Congrats. The volcano measures taller than 30,000 feet from the base, making it the tallest mountain on the planet. However, only 13,000 feet of that are actually above sea level. So you don't see a lot of that. It's actually underwater, but that's how these volcanoes are occurring. So I also wanted to talk a little bit about um, two other things that make the geology really special, which is the fact that it is an island. And so when islands occur, we have island or insular biogeography. And so this is a field that examines the factors that affect species richness or diversification of isolated natural communities. So when they're in isolation, they're going to create different um, species in different ways than if you have like a large amount of land with, you know, um, all of this area and space for, I guess, elongated... um, changes in geography you know what i mean so like so when it's like a more concentrated yeah so it's more concentrated so um so depending on the source which i looked up a lot and they all varied a lot um hawaii is 1500 to 2500 miles away from the nearest land mass so it really has been evolving Mm -hmm. alone okay so like I was mentioning the all these islands are very special, Hawaii and all other like islands in the middle of the sea, and they undergo um, these different pressures that contribute to a different type of species and diversification. Because they have this unique and isolated nature, this means that plants and animals have new influences on them that develop their evolution. I'm just repeating myself in a better way. Thank okay. you. Thank you, world. <clears throat> so in the 70 million years of evolution, Hawaii has incubated 90% brand new species oh, wow. on land. So not seen anywhere else. And it's also um, has 21,383 species. And out of those, 8,795 are endemic to the Hawaiian Islands, meaning that you can't find them anywhere else in the world. So that's pretty cool. So not only has it created 90% brand new species, half of those still don't exist anywhere else. All right. So the... Hawaii Islands are also fascinating to me because there's this brand new land developing. So as we mentioned before, volcanoes, new stuff, kind of like the moon. And one website described it as like having a front seat to creation. So the newest land, what is created because of the lava, is lifeless at the very beginning. And because it, but it's quickly filled in with algae, lichen, and ferns. And it gives entirely new ecosystems. So there's also these areas called Kipuka. And Kipuka is an area of land that is surrounded by, but unaffected by the lava flow. So now we have these islands that are developing outside of other influences. And then you have Kipuka, which are islands basically within islands. Cool. It's super cool. And so this may happen on the side of a hill, or as the lava encounters something, so it's pushed away and it protects the land below. Um, but because there are these areas where the lava hasn't touched, the seeds and animals that are in those kipukas um, help re... What's the word they used? Hold on. Recolonize the area beside it. Okay. So it is really cool, and it's just because of all of this 
very unique geography. Hawaii is a super special place. Um, we'll we'll talk in the end, as we always do, about how things are being affected by people. Mm. But um, yeah, I think that the evolution of it and and why why it is so unique is really important to put on the front end. Agreed. So that's done. Okay, is it my turn? It's your turn. So now I'm going to talk about the human history of Hawaii and how Hawaii Volcanoes National Park became a national park. So before I really begin, I'm going to give a very brief emphasis on brief history of Hawaii because in my research on Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, there was not much about Hawaii as a place or the Hawaiian people, so I had to look that up separately. But like we said in our first episode, whenever we talked about how, in talking about the human history, we're going to mention multiple times how the creation of these parks often came with the marginalization and ruin of some native peoples. Um, So that being said, I'm really torn between like celebrating what we have now Mm. and like feeling guilty about it. So I don't want anyone to have these feelings that I'm feeling. I'm just going to state this history very matter-of-factly because it's important um, and it's pertinent to the history of Hawaii Volcanoes National Park because we are a national park podcast. I need to share that. Does all that make sense? Done. I hope I didn't say that too awfully. No, I I think it was... Very well said. Okay, thank you. So, the brief history of Hawaii. Let's get into it. First first settlers to claim Hawaii was sometime between the years 124 and 1120 AD. The islands were first settled by the Polynesians, um, which, going back to your comment earlier, Kat, about how Hawaii Hawaii being like at least 1,500 miles from any landmass, that's like insane that... Polynesians in big canoes, right? Like found Hawaii. Like that's <laughs> that w- is. wild to me. Someone was really excited when they found. Honestly, it. I would be. So Polynesians came to Hawaii, and uh, civilization was isolated from the rest of the world for at least five hundred years. Then Europeans, led by British explorer James Cook, were among the initial imperialistic groups to arrive in the Hawaiian Islands in 1778. However, Spanish historians and some other researchers state that Spanish Captain Ruy Lopez de Villalbos was the first European to settle the islands in 1542, which is plausible because Hawaii is on the route that links the Philippines and Mexico across the Pacific Ocean. Um, And the Philippines did have, or and Spain did have some major ports in uh, the Philippines and Mexico. So that was a a very popular traveled route. So could it be the Spanish, could be British, not entirely sure. Um, But within five years after Cook's arrival, European military technology helped Kamehameha the first conquer and unify the islands for the first time, establishing the Kingdom of Hawaii in 1795. The kingdom was prosperous and important for its agricultural and strategic location in the Pacific. Um, American immigration 
began almost immediately after Cook's arrival, led by Protestant missionaries. Americans set up plantations to grow sugar, um, and their methods of plantation farming required substantial labor. So, waves of immigrants came in from Japan, China, and the Philippines to work in the fields, um, and the government of Japan actually organized and gave special protection to its people, who compromised about 25% of the Hawaiian population by 1896. The native population sadly succumbed to disease brought by Europeans, particularly smallpox, declining from declining the population from 300,000 in the 1770s to just over 60,000 in the Oof. 1850s to then 24,000 in 1920. Oh so it really decimated that population. Uh, Americans within the kingdom government rewrote the constitution, severely curtailing the power of King Kalakaua, um, also known as King David, and disenfranchised the rights of most native Hawaiians and Asian citizens to vote through extensively high property and income requirements. Um, and this gave a sizable advantage to plantation owners. So again, Americans who were there rewrote the constitution and there was a coup. So super sucky, hate that. The Hawaiian monarch at the time, Queen Lili Okalani attempted to restore royal powers in 1893, but was placed under house arrest by businessmen with help from the U.S. military. Oh and against goodness. the Queen's wishes, Ugh. the Republic of Hawaii was formed for a short time. The government agreed on behalf of Hawaii to join the U.S. in 1998 as a territory of Hawaii. So forced into becoming an American territory. And then in 1959, the islands became the state of Hawaii um, of the United States. Well, it was in 1998. Um, 1898. Sorry, okay. did I say 19? Yeah, and oh, I okay. was like... Sorry, sorry. Um, I was like, during the Olympics. <laughs> the, the government <laughs> so agreed on behalf of Hawaii to join the U.S. in 1898 as a territory of Hawaii. So, not to be a downer, but like that super sucks. That's a very shameful part of American history hate that we should all do whatever we can to recognize the legitimacy of the hawaiian natives and they've had to do so much even recently policy related in order to maintain agricultural lands because everyone wants to live there and they just mm. want to like sprawl out and hawaii just like any island you have to import everything right you need so like it just costs people more to import everything when they could have all this beautiful agricultural land we learned about that in class well thanks yeah um for sharing something that you learned about in school here <laughs> um but yeah, I'm going to move on before I just okay. get really angry. You get a bee in your bonnet. Um, but that's the history of Hawaii, as a very brief history of Hawaii. So let's talk about Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. So uh, one of the mountains, Kilaua, yeah, one of the mountains, Kilaua, and its cauldra were traditionally considered the sacred home of the volcano goddess Pele, and Hawaiians visited the crater to offer gifts to the goddess. So Kat, do you want to talk about what a cauldra is? Oh, because we talked about it a little bit in the in the Hawaii. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But also just I wanted to give you the opportunity. Well, to, to well if I <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. It's a crater on the side of a volcano. Yeah, or even yes. just in the middle of the volcano. Okay. But my understanding is that a caldera is specifically a volcanic crater. Okay. 
because um, obviously there are like meteor craters and right. uh, like dynamite craters, but a cauldra is a volcanic crater. I think I described it as like if someone took the first scoop out of the Grand Canyon, that's you what did. it looks like. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it really um, does. No, that, that kind of is what it looks like. Uh, it's formed by two different methods. The first is an explosive volcanic eruption or uh, just a collapse of surface rock into an empty magma chamber, but it creates just a big old divot. <laughs> Um, so that is what, uh, significance the mountain, uh, the, the volcano Kilauea had to Hawaiian natives. Um, in 1790, a party of warriors, along with women and children who were in the area, were caught in an unusually violent eruption. Many were killed, um, and those who survived and ran away left footprints in the lava that are Mm -hmm. still visible today, Mm -hmm. which is sad but nuts. Um, the first Western visitors were English missionary William Ellis and American Asa, I think, Asa, Asa Thurston, ASA. I don't know how to say her name. Um, but they went to Kilauea in 1823, and Ellis wrote of his reaction to the first sight of seeing the erupting volcano. And he said, A spectacle, sublime and even appalling, presented itself before us. We stopped and trembled. Astonishment and awe for some moments rendered us mute, and like statues, we stood fixed to the spot with our eyes riveted on the abyss below. Um, Which I think is a very eloquent way of saying, the volcano erupted it was cool as hell, (laughs) which is what we would be saying in 2020. Yes. Um, but uh, the just, oh God, yeah, the volcano exactly. There'd be many, many memes uh, from this volcanic eruption. Um, but that is the way that um, William Ellis stated it. So the volcano became a tourist attraction in the 1840s, and a series of hotels were built along the rim. But today, the Volcano House is the only hotel or restaurant located within the borders of the national park. And it's actually one of the oldest existing hotels in the national park system. Wow. That is still functioning today. So how did it become a park? So going back to um, the person's name that I don't know how to pronounce, ASA, we'll say Aza, uh, their grandson, Lauren Thurston, was one of the driving forces behind the establishment of the park after investing in a hotel from 1891 to 1904. So I'm getting a theme that people um, invested in property and wanted their tourism business to take off so they really pushed for uh, the creation of a national park in this area Um, which I mean worked out well because of what the national park system is but it's just like very self-interested so Thurston who then owned the Honolulu Advertiser newspaper printed editorials in favor of the park idea In 1907, the territory of Hawaii paid for 50 members of Congress and their wives to visit Haleakala and Kilauea, including a dinner that was cooked over lava steam vents. Oh my goodness. Which is so neat. Uh, And then in 1908, Thurston entertained Secretary of the Interior James Rudolph Garfield and another congressional delegation the following year. Governor Walter F. Fear proposed a draft bill in 1911 to create Kilauea National Park for only 50,000 smackaroos. 
So Thurston and a local landowner, William Herbert Shipman, proposed boundaries but ran into some opposition with ranchers. And then Thurston printed endorsements from John Muir, shout out, Henry Cabot Lodge, and former President Theodore Roosevelt. After several attempts, the legislation introduced by Delegate Jonah Guio Kalaiana Ole finally passed to create the park. The bill was signed by President Woodrow Wilson on August 1st, 1916. Hawaii National Park became the 11th national park in the United States and the first in a territory. The park was officially renamed Hawaii Volcanoes National Park after being split from Haleakala National Park on September 22nd, 1961, which is still its own park today. Oh, yeah. And there'll be another episode on that. And then in 2004, an additional 115,788 acres of Kauku Ranch were added to the park, which was the largest land acquisition in Hawaii's history. Fascinating. <laughs> um, I, I love the... Uh repeating the story over and over again that like you have to bring people to a space for them to appreciate it and want to take care of it Mm -hmm. so kudos again for bringing them there and then cooking them food on top of lava that's really cool actually that's so neat yeah um great cat you have any fun plants and animals you want to talk about yeah do we want to take a break oh my gosh that's such a good idea i didn't even think about that (laughs) Cool. All right. Well, we're going to take a break, and we will be back. We're back. Oh, hi. Hi. Hey, everyone. Uh, Cool. Well, now that we've talked about the history, both um, geological history and human history of Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, Kat's going to take it away with her Critter Corner segment, which I still (laughs) don't have a jingle for. Well, um, maybe I will one day. There's um, plants in this one too, more plants than usual. I got there's lots of plants in Hawaii. Oh, of course, of course. I sorry, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't pause like meaning that you were wrong. I've been thinking like another <laughs> like, like yeah, another c word for I know plants since we both love alliteration so much. But yeah. like, um, yeah, we will brainstorm off the record on that and um, come up with something cool. But I'm actually really excited to uh, hear about some of the gnarly plants that are in this park (laughs) yes so this was extremely difficult to narrow it down to what i wanted to talk about i do have four today two plants and two aminals um and the way i finally narrowed it down was animals and plants that also had and there's very this was not this didn't narrow it down too much either but that have cultural significance in hawaii okay because i just think that their culture is also absolutely fascinating and amazing and um has a i mean it's a part of this story um not that the other parks don't have that but this seems like very interwoven Mm -hmm. so love that yes all right so i'm going to start with plants today and my first plant is the ohia tree I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing everything wrong. Mm-mm. There we go. It's an endemic tree, so it's only in Hawaii. Um, and it epitomizes Hawaii as an integral part of the native Hawaiian culture. The ohia is part of Hawaii's cultural heritage, and the leaves and the iconic red blossoms are woven into the Hawaiian culture. So you probably can vision this in your head right now. It's the red blossoms that look they look like a, a bunch of little pokies coming out. I can't, I it almost looks like a, um, a sea urchin 
or something of that nature. Um, maybe you want to describe it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking it mm-hmm. up. Um, I'm, going I'm being to quiet Google so images. that you don't have the clickies. Oh, no, I've never <laughs> I've never heard that before. Or I've really? I've never seen this before. Okay, well, yeah. I worked at a florist and we used them infrequently, but they were always very beautiful. I know what you mean by pokey. Pokey. Yeah, yeah. It kind of looks like I can't they think of would another... be spiky. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, neat. I don't know what else they look like, really. Neither do I. They have, But they have, like, these red flowers blossoming mm-hmm. all around. And they're woven into the Hawaiian culture through songs, history, and religious traditions. Cool. So this is my favorite part. There are two common but contrasting stories about how the ohia was created because you know so i am going to do um the story that's sweeter and more beautiful (laughs) a well-known and most likely modern story tells us how the volcanic deity pele and her jealousy transformed two lovers into the ohia pele had a strong romantic interest in an attractive man named Ohia. Ohia was already in love with a woman named Leua. However, in an act of wild jealousy, Pele transformed him into a gnarled tree, and Pele refused to undo what she had done. And so Leua asked her Amukakua to find his family ancestors to intervene. Okay. They decided to transform her into a brightly colored blossom that adorns the Ohia tree so that they could forever be together. And to this day, it said, if you pick the tree's flower, it will begin to rain because the two lovers are being separated. Oh. I know. That's like sweet and really scary and kind of awful. So Pele liked this dude. The dude didn't like her back. He tur- She turned him into a tree. Yes. And then... This dude's girl was like, oh, that sucks, but I want to be with this guy. So then she asked Pele's relatives, who were gods and goddesses. I think she asked her own family ancestors, not Pele's relatives. Oh, oh she I asked just... her ancestors, who had the ability to turn her into a flower. Yeah, self-admittedly, oh. I just skipped over the word because I was like, I'm going to pronounce that wrong. And then I was like, oh, that was imperative that was to the sentence. Word. Like, okay, oh, cool. No, that's fine. That's yeah, fine. so Leua asked her own family ancestors to wow. intervene in the in the thing. So, yeah. Okay. So, um, I just think that's really cute. The Ohia is a cornerstone plant species. We learned about cornerstones last week with the beavers. Stone. So, if you take out this species the whole ecosystem falls apart that supports the entire forest ecosystem along islands of hawaii including countless birds plants and animals some of which exist nowhere else on earth without it wildlife would lose uh cover food and places to roost especially since it makes up 80 percent of the trees in the native forest wow yes so so how tall do these guys get really sure i don't think they're particularly tall uh, in the pictures i'm looking at they look like they they vary but they're also not like that you're right they're not particularly so tall. um this is going off of what i've learned in class so a lot of trees especially that grow near salt water mm-hmm. will have that angle it looks like they've been blown yeah, one yeah. way that's actually the sea spray and so as the air moves salt water over it it it's basically like a tree can't grow where salt water is always hitting it so that's why it kind of leans the yeah, other way yep um, on wikipedia it says that they actually are uh, anywhere between 66 and 82 feet tall that doesn't seem very tall it doesn't? Not to me. I don't know. Maybe it is. 
I don't know. Um, but that's how tall they are. Whatever your perspective is on tall or short, <laughs> tall that is what they are. Yeah. It's um, So, anyway, they're cool. Um, they do have those beautiful red blooms, and um, I think they were worth talking about. So Beautiful. Um, the next one I have less information about, but it's going to be one of those things that you're just like, oh, that is Hawaii. So, it's one plant. It can be called the key. The tea, the lahi. Whoa. <laughs> but so when you're thinking of Hawaii tea, tea, and the um, like hula hoop or hula hoop. <laughs> 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 kind of. The hula dancers uh-huh. and their skirts and like um, maybe the chiefs and like what they have around their neck. You think of that one specific leaf. Yes. And that is the tea, the key, or the lahi. Um, they're all the same plant so they're so important to the hawaiian culture they are very thick and shiny so they're like durable leaves basically and they have been used for pretty much everything they have been used for uh clothing hula skirts raincoats uh what do you call them sandals to oh, make wow. tents with, to like add like extra waterproof to your canoe, like insane amount of uses for this one leaf. They also would um, chill them down for headaches, and they would put hot rocks on them um, and cover them and put them on sore what muscles. A versatile plant. You can also ferment the rhizomes um, underneath them to make a liquor. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Uh, but the list goes on. Yeah, Hawaiians believe that uh, these are connected to the highest energy levels or gods. And so they have been used to protect the Hawaiians from evil spirits. So they mm-hmm. always carry them and wear them. Um, they're just your, you know, I, I would call it, well, they actually call them canoe leaves. So they're almost like the shape of a canoe. Mm-hmm. And, um, what happens is they grow from the middle of the plant and then the outer ones will turn yellow as they're kind of dying off, but it takes them forever. So the the oh. different amounts of decay, I suppose, uh, gives you different sources of use as well. Do they kind of look like um, an elephant ear plant? Um, if it was in the shape of a canoe. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm Googling <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, just put good. in K-I or T-I. Oh, okay. And not like T-E or T-E-A. Um, so, when I, so funny oh, enough that no, you no, were no, saying no. that. Okay, okay. No, it's not what I was thinking of. Okay, cool. But I do know. Oh, sweet. Yes. Yeah, so when I was reading the first time of all the different uses, um, it said around the neck of chiefs, I didn't see a picture for this, yes. I thought it said chefs, so <laughs> I thought it was like a bib situation. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's uh, special. That is, I was like, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, but if you can make a liquor out of it, then why not turn into a bib? Right. That is so good. Yeah, I'm seeing um, like bags and purses and all sorts of clothing. Um, that's good. As well as around the neck of... that's so funny yeah so and i think the sandals is probably my favorite like use for them um so that was they're just they're integral to every single aspect of the culture which i thought was fun so i'm gonna skip no i'm not i'm not gonna skip 
Don't skip. Don't (laughs) skip. Do you know the gas station that's mostly, I think it's um, in the Northeast, called Wawa? I do. Have you ever looked up what Wawa means? Uh, I have not. Other than a baby saying water? I had, I had to look it up when I was up there. I was like, why is everyone going around going, Wawa? <laughs> it just, Wawa. It, it's actually the um, Native American term for a Canadian goose. Oh. Um, and that's why they Weird. have a Canadian goose on their sign. So this oh. bird is called the Nene. <laughs> Nene. Nene. Like to dance. <laughs> Now watch me whip. Now watch me nae I was actually thinking it's it's spelled like Nini from the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Oh. So I was calling it the Nini goose. <laughs> <laughs> I looked up the pronunciation. I like so um, Nene is Hawaii's state bird. And uh, they're the guardian spirits of the land. They're also... God, they look like zebra geese. I'm not done talking. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> it helps me a lot to look these up so I can... Oh, so sorry. I should do more things like that. Okay. that's yeah, fine. So um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the Nene was named Anna... On... <laughs> 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 no judgment. These words are hard. Well, this is not even like a, a Hawaiian word. Oh. It, it... <laughs> <laughs> Still not judgment. Onomatopoeically, which means that it they were named after the noise that they make. Oh, my God. So, nay, nay. <laughs> or wawa. <laughs> That's awesome. But it, I didn't put this in my notes, but they said they also sound like a, a lot like a cow. And I'm just like, how does Nene and cow sound like moo sound anything? Anyway. Whatever. All right. So these are, as you mentioned, uh, what did you say? A zebra? I said zebra birds. They are most likely the the descendants of a Canadian goose that got lost. It's GPS service. Uh, that is awesome. <laughs> so yeah. they probably were in some kind of storm in their migration and ended that up in on Hawaii. Yeah, they look like, I mean, they have the bodies of geese. They look very much like geese, but like their coloring which is not which is not like um like hair like a zebra or a horse but like their feathers are in like a stripe pattern mm-hmm. and it makes to me it looks like a zebra yeah they they look very similar to a canadian goose zebra hybrid mm-hmm. <laughs> so they stand about 16 inches tall roughly around two feet long they can weigh anywhere from three and a half to six and a half pounds, and the males are a little bit small, larger than the females, but they look exactly the same. You know how some birds, like the male, will be like a bright color? Oh, yeah. yeah these birds look very similar to each other. So um, they are unique from other goose because the nene have feet that have adapted to land. So instead of like the webbed uh-huh. feet, they have long toes, Ooh. almost like a chicken foot. What? Yeah. Which is funny because they, they mostly walk around and stuff. And when I go hiking, I always try to grab the ground with my feet. Yeah. Even through my boots. It's so weird. And I always get like a cramp on the top of my foot because I'm walking around. I always said I walk around like a monkey. But now I'm going to say I walk around like a nene. <laughs> and they grip the landscape as they move. That's so cool. Um, although the nene were once endangered, its numbers are currently on the rise Yay. thanks to conservation efforts. So you'll likely get the chance to view these unique unique creatures in person if you visit Hawaii. They spend most of their time on the ground, but they can also fly, so you can look in either place. 
And a few fun facts about the Nene. Let's hear them. Breeding season is from August to April, longer than any other goose. Oh. Um, females lay their nest on the ground, and they have three to four eggs at a time, which is a lot. Is it? I yes. don't know anything about birds or laying eggs, but you, a chicken owner, probably have more perspective. Any bird laying more than, like, two eggs is a lot. Okay. I feel like. Get um, it. The goslings are precochial, which means they're able to feed themselves. Oh, wow. Yes. Cool. Yeah. So, nay, nay. Nay, nay. Nay, nay. All right. And then my last one, which is one that my fiance picked because I could not pick between this or a sea turtle. But I figured everyone has seen Moana, knows the turtle stuff. So, let's pick something a little different. And what'd you land on? So, like species of birds (laughs) that um, migrate through Hawaii, which is probably why we got the nene, uh-huh. the humpback whale makes a long seasonal migration to Hawaii. Beginning in November, whales arrive in Hawaii islands from the North Pacific and spend the winter cab- calving, calving, cal- calving, and breeding in nearshore waters less than 600 feet. The coastline of the park is not a popular place for them to dwell, but they can occasionally be spotted from coast of the park where they are traveling to be more popular breeding grounds. Where they are traveling to get to them. So, this was also kind of hard for me because I was like, they're not really in the park, but I think they're important. Oh, no, that's great. Um, I like that addition. It is possible that up to half of the entire Pacific Ocean's humpback whale population may concentrate in the Hawaiian islands during the winter months. Whoa. From March to May, the whales will begin the reverse trip, once what? again heading north. And these mammoth creatures can grow up to be 50 feet long and weighing up to 40 tons. So, they're almost as tall as that tree. Right. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so Love a good humpback whale. Yeah, their populations have like gone up by like 18 times wow. since 1966. Good. Um, Love to see it. Average of 8 to 10,000 humpback whales visit Hawaii every year. They're the fifth largest species of whale in the world. Their lifespan is 50 years. They consume oh. over 3,000 pounds of food per day. Same. What? That feels like. Right? <laughs> That's a lot of fish. They're promiscuous breeders. Okay. They have multiple pals. Males do not play a parental role in the early life of the calves, but they will protect and guard the female during her, their, her stay in Hawaii. That's weird. Why are they so promiscuous and, like, controlling? That's unfair. (laughs) You can't be like that. (laughs) Anyway, so if you plan your vacation to Hawaii in the winter months, be sure to get out in the water to see these animals. They're going to be, like, possibly spouting off in the ocean and stuff like that. And they're really cool cool and special. So, um, as per usual... Um, I I feel like a broken record here, but um, civilization has ruined everything in Hawaii. <laughs> uh-huh. So um, they are experiencing, especially that first tree, there's a lot of mm. measures being taken. Um, there's bad things happening all throughout. So because we have introduced new species, because we have introduced different fungus and different like bacteria, it has really decimated the Hawaiian island species. They have already lost more 
species than any other state in the United States. Mm-hmm. And although Hawaii accounts for less than a fourth of a percent of the country's total land mass, over 25% of all endangered species in the U.S. are native to the Hawaii oh, state. No. And that's why the islands are sometimes referred to as the endangered species capital of the world. Do, do. Which is not great. So, um, it's not good at all. Like, at all. I know. So, do good things if you have money. Yeah. If you're a Rockefeller, give money to Hawaii for preservation because it's so unique and beautiful and it's being ruined by us. Uh, I hate that. (laughs) Yeah. And if you go, like, all the things that we always talk about before, like, make sure you wash your boots and your clothes and don't bring things from other parks and stuff like that. So, unfortunate. Nicholas, do you have fun facts to bring us back up from that? I have that? some fun and interesting facts. I do too. And Should we go back and forth? The, um, yeah, back and forth. Yes, mm-hmm. that's a good idea. I will start off with erupting from 1983 to 2018, Kilauea is one of the world's most active volcanoes. Its months-long 2018 event destroyed hundreds of homes sent massive plumes of ash rocketing into the air and collapsed nearly 2,000 feet of the crater summit before the volcano subsided into its first period of inactivity in 35 years. Though bubbling magma under the rifts and summit promise another future explosion. Mm-hmm. Mauna Loa, or meaning long mountain, is right next door to Kilauea, active for some 700,000 years Cat already said this, but it's worth repeating. Mauna Loea towers 13,677 feet above the sea, measured from its base 18,000 feet below sea level. It exceeds Mount Everest in height. Mauna Loa's gently sloping bulk, some 19,000 cubic miles in volume, makes it the planet's most massive single mountain. And it's taller than Mount Everest. Okay, Hawaii has the world's only drive-up volcano. You can drive right up to it and look in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> Nature. Um, no, I was I was reading that um, it's actually very uh, easy to see by car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that your, the whole fact? That's it. Love it. <laughs> Mine are like short facts. <laughs> Mine are not. Like this one. The United <laughs> Nations has named the park both an international biosphere reserve and a world's heritage site. Many of the natives... Oh, no, no, that's already... They're getting back to the Debbie Downer of the invasive species. So we'll go there. You wow. already knew that. We already said it. Um, so, yeah, it's a world heritage site. Love it. Thurston Lava Tube Trail is a tunnel that was formed when surface lava hardened and the internal liquid lava drained through, leaving a 10-foot-high conduit for people to be able to walk through. Wow. It's pretty cool. That's really neat. Um, Thurston, we've heard that name before. Mm-hmm. Do you know where? In our history segment of... <laughs> Asa. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Asa. And then their <laughs> grandchild, something else, <laughs> with the last name Thurston. So this one's a really fun one. With lava flowing at an average rate of 800 to 1,300 gallons per second, which is enough gallons of lava to fill an Olympic-sized swimming pool every five and a half days, there have been more than 500 acres of new land added to the island of Hawaii since Kilauea's consistent eruption began in 1983. Wow. That's, uh, I can imagine that... Visually, a lot of land being (laughs) added. 
Jager Museum educates guests on some of the best research for volcanoes and earthquakes that happen on the island because you can't actually go to like the research center. Right. But they have like all the best stuff. Is the research center still open? Closed? Oh, I don't know. Because in 2018 it closed because of the eruption. Because, yeah. Well, there. A lot of the websites I was looking at, there were things like, oh, well, basically just ask around if this road is open or closed because you too. never know. Yeah. And I was like, well, geez, Nuts. that is, yeah. Because you never know. There you could never be know. some lava floating across it. Which is cool. And yeah, also, really cool. we're ruining everything, so we probably, it's probably mad at us. Probably. It's probably just ruining roads on purpose. Us. Um, but I actually, for this part, I do have some standout experiences. Um, I have two more fun facts. Okay, great. <laughs> so one is, um, I'm repeating a little bit of what you said before, but I, I think this is important. Footprint trails mm. um, are all over the park. Um, actual footprints from warriors, um, as well as people, I'm sure, yeah. and from 1790. And it's just like Pompeii, which I try to remember Pompeii in a different episode. I could not remember. It's just a long pause, and Nick had to like. <laughs> had to I was giving her time out. to think yeah. of it. It was, it was never thought of. At least three and minutes long help. of just silence. <laughs> but anyway, so I think that's pretty cool because I've been to Pompeii. Um, but there's also Puloa petroglyphs. So the ancient like yeah. drawings and stuff like that where prehistoric Hawaiians drew on cold lava. But legend has it that parents would put a piece of their child's umbilical cord here in carved holes to ensure the long life for their children. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact. Fun fact. Okay. Gross, but also who am I to, to say that's wrong or weird? Experiences. Experiences. So here's some standout things to do at Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. There are two outstanding auto routes that Kat um, touched on that provide easy access to the park's main attractions. Caterham Drive hugs the edge of Kilauea Caldera, Caldera sorry, and leads to viewpoints where visitors can gaze into the belly of the beast and inhale its pungent sulfur scent, <laughs> which sounds real fun. Um, although sections of the road remain closed after the 2018 eruption. Near the start of the route, the Park Visitor Center offers exhibits and important safety information, as well as an excellent film, Born of Fire, Born of the Sea. Born of Fire. Ring of Fire. It wasn't... What's that from? Finding Nemo. The Ring of Fire! Because <laughs> they have a volcano. They have a volcano in their fish tank. Yes. Uh, um, uh, next outstanding uh, experience in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park is visitors can explore the chain of craters road which meanders 20 miles through twisting and turning volcanic landforms between Kilauea Caldera and Holei Sea Arch. Numerous places along the way are worth a stop including lofty Kialakomo overlook the Martian-like landscape of Maolo of Maloa o Mauna Ulu lava field and the boardwalk trail that leads to the Pu'u Loas petroglyphs that Ooh, Kat uh, mentioned. Uh. Um, and the last one is to reach the summit of Mauna Loa takes about four days for most visitors. As a paved road takes visitors to Lookout Point, 
at 6,662 feet of elevation um, that leads to a 16-mile trail of woodlands and lava rock. National Park Mountain Huts are available for overnight stays. Oh, fun. If for whatever crazy reason you can't hike uh, 16 miles in a day like some loser, <laughs> uh, you can stay overnight. <laughs> yes. Well, that was fascinating. I'm kind of sad Hawaii is over. Me too. But there's another park, so we'll be back. We'll be back. We'll be back. Oh, Kat, do you have any questions, comments, thoughts, philosophies, intuitions, or ambiguities? You're going to hate this one. Oh, okay. I truly believe with all of my heart that the words and music matter as much as the, the instruments and the rhythm and everything else. And because of that... I think Mariah Carey's Christmas song is trash. <laughs> this will be Kat's last episode of Made for You and Me. So if anyone would like to be my new co-host, um, like you can't let give me know. your heart away let and then give it to someone know. else. You can't do it. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean give it give your heart away and give it to someone? Last Christmas I gave you my heart. They gave it away. What? What? <laughs> what do you mean? That is not a Mariah Carey song. Oh, who is it? I think it's Wham. What? Wait. Last Christmas. Cat. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, last Christmas. I gave you my heart, but the very next day you gave it away. So yeah. this year is not a Mariah Carey song. At all? No. Like she doesn't sing it. No. It is Wham. <laughs> It is. What is her What is her Christmas song? All I Want for Christmas is You. Okay, well, that's a decent song. Yeah. <laughs> what just happened? I don't know what's happening in my world, to be honest. I feel like I have been more wrong about things than ever before, and I'm fine with it. But oh. who, who even is... Wham. What do you mean, who's Wham? Well, I mean, I know who They're Wham is. They're one of the most famous them. musical duos of all time. Is it a duo? I think they are the second highest selling musical duo after Hollow Notes, which is one of my personal favorites. I literally had like a full on argument with my neighbors about this, oh and it was gosh. based on the fact that it was a Mariah Carey song. Oh, I couldn't. No, it literally has never ever been sung by Mariah Carey. I don't think like in a real recording or in a live event or of any sort. Um, Taylor Swift covered it a couple years okay, ago. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I also yeah. think the, the song Landslide is trash. <gasps> it makes no sense. Really? Yep. Oh my gosh, that's such a good song. You can't see your reflection in snow. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, well, I have a... Um, ambiguity. Ambiguity. <laughs> And it goes a little something like this. <laughs> Sometimes my lips get stuck on my teeth. You think it looks weird, but I can't help it. Oh, my lips just get stuck on my teeth. Those are my favorite videos of all time. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to take your butt to Instagram. I mean, I guess they're on TikTok too, but like I don't have TikTok because I think it's absolute trash and I don't want to see a bunch of shirtless 14-year-old boys dancing around. <laughs> But if you do have TikTok and or Instagram, these videos 
of people recording their dogs' lips getting stuck on their teeth, and then they put it over this some little some song. individual made this cute little song about dogs' lips getting stuck on their teeth, and it's just my favorite thing. And Kat's been saying them to me all week and i just love each and every one of them there's another really good song that people put cute dog videos to it's like it's just my baby, baby dog, dog. That's it's just, just my, my baby, baby dog, dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it has like a little kid singing it it's so cute i love it okay. any videos of dogs i'm down for cool well uh thank you so much for listening to us i think all you listeners deserve an extra thank you after this episode we really really appreciate it please do not go anywhere <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can find this and more episodes on America's National Parks, wherever you get your podcasts at Spotify, Spotify, <laughs> Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Follow us on Instagram at MFYAM Podcast. Email us, podcast at gmail.com. Uh, tune in every Wednesday for a new episode, uh, and we appreciate you, and um, you know, have a phenomenal rest of your week. You're beautiful. Bye.